the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, this is Steve Hess sitting in for the vacationing Dave. Uh, we have completed our first hour, which was obviously a hot-button topic. We mm-hmm. wanted to talk about this Gosnell movie that is coming out next Thursday, and obviously that um, talking about the horrific horrificness of what this man did and how much the, the media just uh, covered it up and didn't want to talk mm-hmm. about it because it destroys their narrative, and obviously it just couldn't help but lead into a discussion about the um, moral decline and some of the other issues that we have in this nation with regards to just throwing children in the trash yeah. and calling it a and choice. This is more but, than just uh, the media covering it up. Top, to, they didn't report on it. Yeah, I mean, very little. Uh, yeah, very right. like. I mean, I'm telling y'all, I didn't know a thing about this. But now we're going to shift thing. gears a little bit, and we're going to be talking to a Matthew Hurt for from uh, Americans for Prosperity. Uh, and he has a couple different uh, topics and programs um, that he is working on and promoting. Um, Matthew, are you on? I am, Steve. It's great to be with you guys. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the Americans Prosperity and, and exactly what you do and what sure. they do? So, so Americans for Prosperity, we are in we're in 36 states, including right here in Arkansas. Uh, you got a great state director, Ryan Norris, out there who's doing just tremendous work. Um, really breaking down barriers. You know, our, our network breaks down barriers, both internal and external, that prevent people from achieving their full potential. And that looks like a range of different things. It looks like, you know, empowering uh, young entrepreneurs to go out and create that next big idea. Uh, to to uh, you know, moms and dads at the at the dinner table putting together a family budget. Uh, to folks who have been impacted by our criminal justice system. You know, what happens, and for the next hour, I guess we're going to talk about uh, what it means to, to experience the criminal justice system and what it means to rehabilitate those who have, who have had experience in the criminal justice system and how to, when, when they are released, what we do to empower them to go and improve their own lives and improve their community. Amen. That um, well, to give you a little bit of background for me, uh, I normally sit on Tuesdays at uh, five and do a segment called the Bible Guys, where we take questions about the Bible. And I have, uh, and I also do a prison ministry um, at, at uh, Tucker Maximum Security Prison here in Arkansas. And so I, I'm kind of interested, and I'm a little bit surprised because when I heard about this organization, I've heard about different people talk about the Americans for Prosperity. This would not have even actually entered my mind as part of. Your mission, so I find this very intriguing. It's it's really wonderful to see, and, and thank you for your work in in the prison ministry. Uh, in fact, in in 2013, the Southern Baptist Convention um, passed a resolution empowering and encouraging their communities, their churches, and the leaders in those churches to work closely with the criminal justice system to to work in the communities, to work in the jails and prisons to help rehabilitate. So what we're seeing with the work that, that, that you do and the work that others do across the country, uh, that there are community-based initiatives uh, that are religious in nature, that are non-religious, and, and they're working uh, across communities to help improve people's lives. And that's really one of the cool things about 
what Americans for Prosperity and what our network is doing now. You know, if you talk to us, you know, when, when, when Dave joined on, gosh, a decade ago, um, you know, we were, the, we were the tax and spend people. We were, we were opposed to higher taxes and, and opposed to outrageous spending. And, uh, and that's, really, that's really advanced and, and grown over the last, particularly the last two years, because we realized that it's not always the fiscal issues which, uh, which inhibit our ability to pursue our American dream or to empower others to, uh, to pursue their dreams. You know, I saw a, um, I think it was um, a Facebook video, and it was interviewing this homeless man. And they they uh, asked him how he got to this this state and how he ended up living on the street, and he said, "Well, this is exactly where society wants me." And I, at first, and then my my ears kind of perk up because I hear I hear victimiz you know I hear victimization is what I hear when somebody says something like that. But then he told a story, and his story was that is that he had a felony. He served I think twelve or fifteen years, and when he came out. He said that he could not get a job, he could not get an apartment, and he tried all the different programs, but nobody would ever give him a chance because of the nature of his crime and because he had this felony. And it, and it got me thinking about how much of us do we have this mentality that whenever we hear that, whenever we hear somebody they just got out of prison, we immediately get nervous instead of saying, you know what, something might have changed, something might have transformed in their lives, and there are many who will not allow them to have jobs. So, I, again, I think your program is very interesting. Well, and, and what we've seen in, in, in that story in particular and in others across the country is, is we are looking to, trans, to help people transform their lives and transform society. I've got a, a great story. I don't know uh, if, if your listenership is, is familiar with, uh, with Mike Rowe, previously a dirty job. Yeah. Uh, Mike Rowe has a great show on Facebook right now uh, where he goes into communities and looks for those people who are really paying it forward. Uh, and, and in the first season of that show, he talked about a, a woman by the name of Ma Harper in San Antonio, Texas. And Ma Harper, she runs a, a Creole kitchen, and she hires people, uh, primarily, primarily men who go through the criminal justice system. She hires those individuals as they, as they leave prison, and she loves on them, and she gives them that opportunity. And, and they go out and they, they, you know, they make something of themselves. And so given those opportunities to break down not only those internal barriers that, that, that put people in a situation where they are committing crimes, where they maybe it's a breakdown of morality or it's a breakdown of a sense of self-worth or whatever it happens to be. And then those external barriers, which when they get out, you know, we want them to be in 95 percent of people who go through the prison system will, will get out of prison. And so what do we do when they return to our communities? We break right. down those external barriers that prevent them from getting employment and, and getting a car and getting to work. No, That's good. And I will tell you, though, that um, there, though we don't want to make it sound like it, that they're all um, not getting a fair shake or a fair opportunity, because I will tell you that my experiences so far is the guys who have an opportunity when we get when we're able to witness the guys and you start to see a transformation I often tell people that one of the most powerful things that I've ever seen is to watch a man who's in prison for taking life and then watching break it's actually one of the things that I enjoy most in life is to watch a man get broke and get transformed but I've also seen those guys who refuse to be transformed and there are those guys who then they get out with refusal to be transformed so sometimes there's a um a justified you know of wanting to be somewhat distant um and and trying to find that balance between those guys that took an opportunity for this this situation in their life and actually transformed it 
uh, because I can also tell you why they're in there. Can, they can actually learn to be better criminals and to be more corrupt because just seeing some of the things I see within the system itself, uh, if it's not – if they're not in programs that are that are leading them to change, then they really won't come out transformed simply because they were locked up. You know, I was listening to a story of a man named Darren in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, and he had he had uh, he had gotten addicted to meth, and he had gotten his wife addicted and his children addicted, and he he was sentenced ultimately to seven years in prison, um, and then that sentence was extended to ten years, and he said in that first seven years he wasn't ready to to reform himself, and and he, and he said this, and this is what was powerful to me. He said, you know, John three sixteen doesn't mean anything to somebody who isn't ready to hear it. That's right. Right. And, and, and he said, he said, when, when the judge extended his sentence from seven to ten years, in that three-year period, he realized he was broken. He realized what, what had gone wrong in his life, and he said about uh, not only transforming himself, but now that he's out, he speaks to those communities of, of men, primarily of men, who, who, uh, who, who are in that situation, who maybe aren't ready to listen uh, and aren't ready to transform their lives. Yeah, I had unfortunately I had the experience on um, yesterday when I was down there that one of the guys that was supposed to go up parole who actually had one of those moments in in one of our sessions and uh, teaching times where I really thought that the Lord was getting a hold of him he ends up getting thrown in the hole because he got into a fight two weeks before he was go for parole and I just oh, I just man. looked at him and was like you know you're not ready you know? so it's yeah. it's a good thing that this has happened uh, and but when they do get out though. Uh, I, and there are two cases of men that that, um, that I minister to that are out now. Uh, one has uh, gone back to his home state, and the other one is here locally. Um, but they are in the process of transforming their lives. They took the events of the years that they were locked up, and um, and they got they got saved, they got right, and now they're out living lives, and and they've they've been given chances. There's a couple of them that they've been given jobs, and now they're back in their community, and they're they're. Uh, renting a place and getting cars and they're just starting to integrate back into society so uh it is possible it is possible and and you know right there in little rock and uh you know like i said we're all over the country i was i was talking to the producer before the show started and, and i and i spent a few days in fargo north dakota uh earlier this week and i'm and i'm actually talking to you today from arlington virginia to spend my time all over the country but right there in little rock there's an organization called the exodus project uh, which which a, a congressman will talk about here later later this hour um, is a community organization that works with businesses that works with religious leaders that works with uh, with folks in the community to empower those uh, those men and women who are going through the system so that when they are ready as you mentioned a few minutes ago when they're ready to to hear a message to to, to hear a message of redemption, be it, be it religious or secular or otherwise, mm-hmm. um, those tools and resources are, are at their disposal to go and, 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 as we've said, transform their lives. I was surprised this this um, this opportunity for me came kind of fell into my lap. It wasn't something that I felt like I was called to do, but about a year and a half ago it happened. It's actually transformed me. Um, and to have this happen and now see what's going on and then to find out actually – uh, how big the um, prison ministry and, and just people who in general who mm-hmm. have devoted so much of their time to find out that there are people that d- have devoted their life to go into these forgotten people mm-hmm. and, and just to try it's and incredible. help them. It really is. And so it's kind of it, – that has ministered to me to realize how many people are actually doing this. It's, you don't get well, – you don't get TV shows. Yeah, you don't get you spots don't on, the, right yeah, on the big Christian network. Yeah. That's right. But they are. Well, and and, yeah. and you, you, think, you think about um, – 
all these all these men and women who, who find themselves in, in that situation. And, and it's what we call, in Americans for Prosperity, uh, a virtuous cycle in the sense that, um, you know, a year and a half ago, Steve, you didn't know uh, that you would be in this position. And, and, and you've, you've come to a place in your life where you understand uh, a greater aspect of what your role is, what your mission is, and you're able to go out and improve your life and then improve the lives of those around you. It's, it's really awesome to see uh, what we can do, and especially as conservatives, where yeah. we are rightfully concerned about the size and scope of government. You know, how can we empower community organizations, families, churches, and others uh, to step up where, where government has all too often failed us? Right. They have failed because it wasn't their job. There was a reason. It's one thing I always say, being a, man, being a man that started a church, understanding filing for a 501c3, I understand the reason it was given to the church. The church was mm-hmm. supposed to have freedom for funds. 501s are supposed to have that freedom because it's supposed to be their job to go out and take care of these things. It's not the government's job. And so we, as I will say, you know, speaking to my fellow brethren of the Lord, it's our job to go out and do this ministry. And it's our job to go out and and adopt children, speaking of the last hour segment, to go to the soup kitchens. It's not the government's job to have all of these programs. That's part of the reason why the government has blown to the size that it is, because in part, not just the church, but society as a whole has kind of failed to reach out to these people uh, whatever whatever part of that was, whether the orphan, the widow, the imprisoned, the sick, whatever the case is, it's almost a flavor. It's almost a flavor. Hey, Matt, it's Elizabeth. It's almost a flavor of what you said earlier, Steve. It's almost a flavor of well, this is kind of something I really don't want to deal with. I don't really want to think about it much. It's not. Right. It's not pleasant. So let me just ignore this whole part of society. These people who have gone and paid their debt mm-hmm. to society. I don't believe should have to have that over their heads for the rest of their lives. That's right. All right. Well, well and I think that is that is an important point. If I if I could just for a moment, that's sure. an important point that that people who wrong someone in society, if you break the law, if you uh, if you violate your neighbor, if you if you engage in something that we as a, as a society is, is deemed uh, inappropriate, then you should you should be, you know, you should uh, be called to, to task for those actions. And what does that look like? It looks like, in many instances, prison time. Yeah. Sometimes it looks like rehabilitation. It, it just depends on what it is. And as a society, uh, particularly right now, you know, President Trump, who ran as a law and order candidate for president, um, is, 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 is a tough on crime kind of guy that right. expressed support for a lot of these policies. Right. Well, okay. Well, well, we're we're gonna we're at a break, Matt. So if you could hold on for a minute, and we'll come back, and maybe we can hear about uh, the first step program or some of the other programs that um, that uh, Americans for Prosperity does. All right. This is Steve Hess sitting in for Dave Ellswick. Uh, we are speaking with uh, Matt Hurt from the Americans for Prosperity, uh, having a good discussion on um, what we need to do, what our role is in talking about people who have been released. Uh, from prison who are looking to get a new lease on life and how we should maybe approach that and some programs that might be out there to help them and then maybe how we should view them after they got out. Are you still there, Matt? I sure am. All right. Uh, is there any other topics, programs that you maybe want to elaborate on? We've just got a couple more minutes. Maybe we can just hit some high points and then come back and get into the depths of the programs or maybe something that we could do here to, to help those programs. Yeah, you know, I think an important term to sort of understand for the listeners is this, this notion of recidivism. And what that means is, is the likelihood that someone will return to 
prison upon their initial release. And so uh, the recidivism rate is the rate at which people return. And here's a, here's a pretty shocking number that, uh, that even Attorney General Jeff Sessions says is, is just way too high. It says within three years of release, about two-thirds, or 67.5% of those who are released are rearrested. And within five years of release, about three-quarters, up to 76.5% of released prisoners are, are rearrested. Uh, and so what, what we've seen in states that have embraced uh, programs to reduce that, and one example is Arizona, is that their recidivism rate for prisoners who are in this program, which we'll talk about after the, after the next break, uh, that recidivism rate drops like a rock to 11%. Wow. One, yeah. Wow. And, and, and so, as, as Steve, as you mentioned before the, 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 the most recent break, uh, you know, working with these individuals uh, so that they are prepared to reenter society is really uh, does a tremendous amount of good or just a little bit of investment. In, in, and we'll talk about the First Step Act and what that does and, uh, uh, after the break. But that's, that's really the big thing. Another shocking set of numbers for you uh, just before we go is, is that there are 20 state prisons in Arkansas. There's about 17,000 inmates with another six transitional prisons uh, with almost 2,000 residents who are transitioning back into society, usually on the parole. And each inmate costs taxpayers in Arkansas $22,000 a year. And the last number uh, that we'll just chat about briefly is, is there are currently, in Arkansas, 58,000 reentered citizens on probation or parole. And so it's very likely that your listeners know someone. I think about one in 38 Arkansas adults uh, are, have either been through the prison system or are on probation or on parole at this time. So it's likely that we know someone in our own community uh, who has been through the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a... Uh well, yeah, and, you know, I was going to say on the recidivism rate, you know, if you just leave them in there to rot, yeah, they're going to they're well, gonna reoffend. And, and the thing is, in jail, what people got to understand, and I've never been to jail, um, and I can, after the break or whatever, I can talk about how I know where I'm coming from with, with kind of understanding this, but um, they get a, a Stockholm Syndrome type thing, and they get comfortable, and they don't really realize it until they get out. And a lot of time, it's almost like it, that's their safe place. They're told when to eat, mm-hmm. when to drink, when to go play in the playground. You know, they're, I mean, literally, their whole days are structured for all this time, and they can't wait to get out. And then when they get out, it's like, man, there's some of them that go do stuff literally on purpose mm-hmm. to go back because they're being taken care of there. That's the where, that's that all I, they know. The one guy that I ministered to that I spoke after he got out. Uh, I asked him how he was really doing after we had had some general conversations, and one of the things he expressed that he had never experienced fear until he was out, out. completely alone, um, with no family, no place. He was staying in a new place. No, he'd he'd yeah. been in since he was eighteen years old. What's this is all he had. No known. acceptance. Yeah. There was no, you know, back and in the. They really the, need the support, and if we don't want that yeah. recidivism rate to stay up, then we need to support him. But. We uh, need to take a break, and we will come back with uh, Matthew Hurt with Americans for Prosperity after the break. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Steve Hess sitting in for Dave, who is vacationing. I have no idea where he's at. All I know is he's on vacation. On the beach, baby. He's safe from all the women coming up (laughs) in the 4 o'clock hour. got three uh, amazing, phenomenal, strong women. Actually, he's on vacation with his wife. A fourth one coming on on the the 
then, calling in and Juanita Broderick at five o'clock. Oh it's wow, yeah, it's a, probably a good thing I got to go at yeah, the top of the hour yeah, and yeah, just yeah. turn this Poor over rest. and let you guys. I was going to make the comment that you have survived the day with all the estrogen. Yeah, but I've, I've been uh, I've been married for twenty five years and I have three daughters. There so you are. Uh, well, you're yeah, well equipped. Yeah. You're perfect. Well right. equipped. Yes. I, can, I can handle yes. this real easy. They forced yeah. me to become sensitive. Yeah. And they forced to, you. Right. Yeah, they forced me. To become, I told Elizabeth. If you start talking firm and direct to young girls, they start crying and. That just ends the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, my husband's the same way. Please don't cry. Right. <laughs> I told Elizabeth, I says it's good Dave's not here today anyway because with me and Elizabeth and Hannah and then get Juanita Broderick on at five o'clock, he would not get a word but, in edgewise. Today. Isn't she the one that accused? Mr. Clinton of raping. Okay. Yes. 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 Oh, yeah. I'll be yeah, listening yeah. to that. Lady. Lady. Who, by the way, that for everybody out there that doesn't know, Diane Feinstein was the one who shut her down back hmm. then, too. Okay. Who is the same one that has the letter from Miss Blasey, whatever her name is. <laughs> I'm sorry, I haven't memorized her whole name. I it's think, a long name. I think we have an I, idea of what that hour is going to be like. I've seen one picture yeah. of her, and that's about. Okay, so oh, we, I'm so sorry. Yeah, oh, that's I for the next we hour. Yeah, we've oh. got we still have Matthew heard <laughs> so on the phone sorry. from American for Prosperity. Sorry, right. Matt. Sorry. Oh my goodness. But we do want to yeah. have him uh, talk about uh, this first step program and some other. Uh, programs that are out there for for some of the uh, uh, prisoners who are making it back into society. So take it away, Matt. You, you know, you guys are having a blast over there. I wish that that plane from Minneapolis that, that <laughs> this morning had diverted through Little Rock. <laughs> we have fun. We through the weekend. You can come see us anytime, Mr. Hurt. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I forgot you were still with us. I got off on Kavanaugh and whoo, I just took off. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of headlines, and and, and we are we are in the the age of, of the constant media cycle with headlines yeah. all the time. And so and, and look, it's it's important to uh, the the as they say, the squeaky wheel gets the grease in politics, and and it has been our our hope and our desire that we make this criminal justice reform wheel squeak. Yeah. Yes, um, be- because because we're we're you know we're trying to break through the noise and 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 I just uh, I think it's important for your listeners to know and, uh, uh, and and for you guys to know that, that President Trump has really led on this issue. He is he is in May when the House passed the First Step Act by an overwhelming majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, all all but eight Republicans in the House voted for it. Uh, more than half of Democrats voted for it in a, in a in a time and an era where Republicans and Democrats are not working together uh, in Washington for the benefit of the American people. Quite often in state capitals, they work together to raise their taxes. Sure. Uh, but, but, but when folks are not working together in Washington, this has been a, a really striking uh, opportunity to bring these diverse groups together, Republicans and Democrats, President Trump uh, and, and the folks who are working with, you know, Kim Kardashian in the White House. Yeah, uh, and, and and it's and it's and, and, and people people are talking about this, and people are saying, yeah, this is this is stuff that we care about because we have family members who've been through the system, or we know somebody who's been through the system, mm-hmm. and and so if we can empower one of, one of the one of the crazy statistics that just it just blows my mind for every and and, and we are using fact based research that we're uh, partnering with universities across the country. Um, and, and, and prison systems across the country to, to implement these programs, which are, uh, which are manifest in the First Step Act, um, we're seeing that for every $1 spent on preventative measures, that is 
um, you know, GED programs in, in, in jail. It is, it, it, it's those other programs that can, that, that teach job skills and life skills and, and, and social behavior. You know, you don't, you, you were talking before the break this, you develop sort of an antisocial behavior in, in prison, or you had it before you went in, mm-hmm. and, and now all you know is this life of crime. Uh, we found that for every $1 spent on preventative measures, we save up to $6 of taxpayer money. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and if, you think, if you think for every, every prisoner in Arkansas right now, it's costing taxpayers $22,000 a year yeah. with projected increases 1.1% year over year for the next 10 years, for the next nine years. Yeah. Uh, and, and if we just, if we invest, if we reinvest a little bit, a little bit of that money in a different way, in yeah. a different point in the system, we can save, uh, you know, we can save up to $6 per dollar spent. It's just, it's crazy. And, and wow. you know, the, 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 the congressman from Georgia who sponsored the First Step Act, and if you give me, uh, he, he says it's about M&Ms. He says it's about money and morals. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug, Doug Collins uh, from, from Georgia, he says about money and morals. And so we talked about the moral part in the first half of the program. We talked about empowering people with, uh, with that capacity to transform their lives, be it through prison ministry or be it through, you know, learning those skills to, 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 to be social and, and get back out in the community. And, and, and the second half of that is the money aspect. You know, taxpayers mm-hmm. deserve uh, a government that, that invests our tax dollars wisely. And, and for, for far too long, we have spent way too much money with way too little results keeping people in the system that allows them to, to, to come back and continue to be a financial burden on taxpayers. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, there's a gentleman by the name of, of Matthew Charles, um, and I'm not sure if you guys have heard of him, but Matthew Charles, in his teenage years, did some pretty terrible things. Pretty pretty awful things back to back. Uh, he was sentenced to 35 years in prison. And a couple years ago, a federal judge by the name of Kevin Sharp uh, from Nashville, from Nashville, Tennessee, released him early, 21 years into his sentence. Now, Matthew had shown signs that he had rehabilitated himself. He found religion in jail. He started, he finished his, his high school education. He was actually helping write the appeals of other prisoners and inmates while they were going through their appeals process. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was released, when he was released two years ago, he found a job, he got a place to live, he got a car, he found a girlfriend, uh, a, a beautiful woman named Naomi, who I'm, I've met a couple of times, uh, and he even started uh, volunteering at the local food bank. And after two years of that, U.S. attorney said, I'm sorry, Mr. Charles, uh, you haven't served all of your sentence. When oh. clearly he, he had rehabilitated himself. And uh-huh. in May of this year, in the same month that the House passed the First Step Act, he was sent back to prison to finish out his term. Now, just two weeks ago, just two weeks ago, President Trump was meeting in the White House with, again, with Kim Kardashian and with, uh, with Mark Holden, who is, is, is chief legal counsel, um, for Coke Industries and is a, uh, is a member of the Board of Americans for Prosperity. Uh, he was there, and President Trump, unprovoked, mentioned the name of Matthew Charles as somebody who, uh, who is, is proven that he's re- rehabilitated himself. Wow. So, it's, again, it, this is proof that, that President Trump gets it, that, Congress, oh, yeah. that a majority of Congress gets it, that, and, it and it's a crazy, it's a once-in-a-generation opportunity 
for us to put partisan labels aside and work together to create this opportunity. One of the few issues today that bipartisan support is not really hard to find at all. Well, you know, I I know, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait and see. You never, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking while you're talking, what can the left do to try to sabotage this one? You know, like I just don't because this has been their thing, right? This is a reaching across. This is a reaching across the aisle topic. And I love, you know, yes, kudos to Trump. Kudos to Trump people out there, y'all. I mean, when people say, well, what has Trump done? What has he not done is the question at this point. You know, I mean, he's I, I think we're talking about North Korea, Russia and NAFTA. And next thing I know, big headline, Trump's out there, you know, taking on prison reform. And we're, we're here talking to Dave that day. And we're like, this guy is a phenomenon. Like, who can do all this? Like, right. who the, these, this isn't just everyday is multitasking. There, uh, is there any um, chance for that? for that to be overturned what the uh, federal judge did so so Matthew uh, Charles. The, only, yeah. the the only thing that that can that can take place now is that uh, Matthew Charles as an inmate can file a clemency request i know that he he has done so the attorney who is representing him pro bono is uh, is a guy named Sean Hopwood based out of Washington DC Sean actually uh served time in prison uh for a string of robberies in uh in Kansas or Nebraska, excuse me for, for not having the, the full story there, um, spent spent some time in prison and then reformed his own life and then went and, and, and got a law degree and now helps people who uh, who find themselves in, in this situation. It's, 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 really, it's really interesting. You think about, like, uh, like, the terms that exist in the criminal justice conversation, tough on crime soft on crime, mm-hmm. smart on crime. Mm-hmm. And, and, one of, and one thing that people, a lot of people don't realize is Texas, our friends in Texas, which, which for, the, for the longest time were the butt of jokes of the, of the quote, tough on crime sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. Governor Rick Perry in the mid-2000s uh, helped push some, some pretty, pretty amazing legislation with, with some organizations like the Texas Public Policy Foundation and their project Right on Crime. Which, which gave conservatives the moral authority and the sort of the gravitas to come in and say, look, we can believe that if you break the law, you should be punished. Nobody is saying that if you break the law, you should get off scot-free. Nobody in these conversations is saying that. And nobody is saying that, that, that if you break the law and, and, and violate your neighbor or violate uh, our society, that you should get six months and then you're back out and, and nothing happens to you. We're saying that we have to be smarter about this. If you believe that, that, that blocking somebody up is, is, a, is an opportunity to rehabilitate, we have to get serious about that rehabilitation. That's right. And that's what, you know, that's what the First Step Act did. It, it passed the House. Like I said, it passed overwhelmingly um, in, in, in the House in May of this year. May of this year, it passed. All four of your congressmen in Arkansas voted for it. Um, in fact, Jim, Jim Jordan, the conservative from Ohio that I know a lot of conservatives are talking about, uh, should be, should be in, a, in an elevated position in the House. He voted for it. Uh, this is a who's who of conservative, um, you know, conservative leaders in Congress who, who push that button, who, who stand with President Trump on this issue, and who believe that we can do better when it comes to criminal justice reform. Would, would we be able to... Uh Give us de- more details about the act itself and the programs that that this is going to be helping and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. So 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 if if it is passed by the Senate and makes it to the president's desk, this will provide. Uh, I believe it's uh, it's fifty million dollars a year 
uh, over the course of five years. So it is it is literally a first step. This is a uh, as far as financially, this is a drop in the in the bucket of the federal budget. We're moving some dollars around to to invest in in a more smart way to partner with community organizations like uh, Prison Fellowship, Prison Ministry, like uh, the Phoenix Gym, uh, which I can talk about in a minute, like uh, F5, which is um, a, which is a nonprofit based in Fargo, North Dakota. That's one of the reasons I was I was up there uh, earlier this week. Um, to to work directly with those individuals who, as they go through the system, as they you know they are partnered with some entity that empowers them to reform themselves while they're in prison. Out now, what prison reform used to look like? Well, can we you, can we? I have to pause you for a second. We have to pause sure. for a station break. Uh, so <laughs> sure. if we could uh, pick that up after we come back from the break, thanks. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Steve Hess sitting in for Dave. Uh, we are currently See, talking with uh, Matthew Hurt from the Americans for Prosperity. We've been talking about um, the First Step Act and some, um, not prison reform, but reform and programs for inmates who have been released. So we want to turn it back over to Matt Liss and let him pick up on uh, some of the details of the Reform Act and maybe how we can get involved. Yeah, so we were talking about how what this will do is is, is pair uh, inmates as they go through the system with, with community organizations that can em- empower them to take control of their lives and to improve themselves. And, and, and just before the break, we were, you know, I rattled off a, a list of organizations that, that reflect, uh, you know, who could be, uh, who these partners could be, because remember, as conservatives, we think, that one, government is doing too much, not well enough, and two, that it is our responsibility in our communities, um, you know, to, to solve those problems. We believe that, that, that business, that the private sector, that, that churches and other religious organizations can, can solve these problems better than government. And in particular, um, if, 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 you know, I grew up Southern Baptist, you believe, you believe um, in, in that, then that, that you know that it is our our commandment is to love one another. And, yeah. and unfortunately for us, love one another doesn't mean send a dollar to Washington and have it remade and sent back out. It, it, is, it is a task for us in our communities. And so right there in Little Rock now, now I want to preface this with um, we don't know which community organizations will receive grant funding. And so none of the organizations that I listed before the break or the one I'm about to list uh, you know, it's not a guarantee of those funds, but should it pass Congress, should pass the Senate and, and make it to the president's desk and he signs it, organizations like this will will receive that support. And, and, and I mentioned it earlier in the, in the show, this uh, the Exodus Project right there in Little Rock. They have an initiative called Out for Life. And, and what they what that means is, you know, once you get out of prison, you have rehabilitated yourself and there's no reason to go back. You go out and, and, and you find work and you go out and, and you, you reintegrate yourself into society so that you can become a, 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 a beneficial, productive, functioning member. I mentioned you know, Matthew Charles before the break. Matthew Charles was employed for two years. He was a taxpayer for two years. And now he's back in a system that is costing taxpayers, and it just it just doesn't make. Can Trump money. not pardon him? I don't. Well, you said so, Trump so was aware. So President Trump can uh, can grant clemency, and it is my understanding. I don't I don't have the latest. The last conversation I had about him in particular, 
uh, was a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and, and and clemency paperwork was uh, was was on the desk. Now, Got it. Uh, you know, now it's very different. President Trump has done some very different stuff that other presidents did sure. not have the guts to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, very few presidents have taken on clemency and pardon requests in the first term. Oh yeah. And yeah. And, and 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 I cannot stress enough. And, and you guys know. You guys know in Arkansas. Sometimes Americans for prosperity, we stand on principle and we, we don't, we don't, we're not lockstep with any one politician. Mm-hmm. And so, and so we've had disagreements with, with, with the president and with other members of Congress and that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Um, and, and we, but we believe when somebody's doing something right, they should be commended and applauded. And, and I can't stress enough um, that of all the executive powers the president can wield, this one's showing clemency because we, we're a nation that believes in redemption. Yeah. We believe in second chances. Uh, and 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 the president has expressed that willingness to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other, one of the other organizations that I'll mention is, is something called Safe Street Second Chances, and it's it's again it's a project in in our greater network that is working with, as I've said, fact based, not fear based statistics, but fact based statistics that empower those communities to make the decisions necessary to to go out and and and, and encourage. What's the, the name of that organization again? It's called Safe Street Second Chances. Yes. And it's a coalition of, of organizations, like, say, uh, the Texas Public Policy Foundation's Right on Crime and a number of others. It's, it's, and it's, it's crazy, guys. You know, on some of these issues, we're working with the ACLU uh, because, because it, is, it is that big of a thing. We haven't seen something this unifying yeah. in years. And and for conservatives to lead on this, it's just I'm I'm I am so encouraged, and I've seen communities and and, and, and seen the criminal justice system, uh, not, thankfully not firsthand, but uh, but 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 working with those individuals, and I'm passionate about this, and so for for people to realize that that if we just do just a little bit more in our communities and, and move some of those resources from incarceration to investment. Um, then, then we are changing lives and improving again. The ninety-five percent of people who make it out of prison uh, once they're in, they're back. They're, they're our neighbors. That we see them at the grocery store. We see them at, mm-hmm. at the barbecue restaurant. And 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 so for them to be empowered to to uh, engage in social behavior, to to not be antisocial and to not break the laws that are on the books, uh, that is that's powerful stuff. Yeah, and it sounds like, uh, you know, it's kind of brought back the whole, you know, compassionate conservatism, you know, yeah. where, I mean, it, you can't be more compassionate than, than this. I was going to ask you, though, a quick question on the, at, at the federal level, the mandatory minimums. And I mean, that's a whole nother can of worms. Is, is this, is this, uh, everything we're talking about here in this legislation and whatnot is, is this dealing with the federal? prisons and so, the mandatory minimum or is that a whole nother this doesn't touch on sentencing uh, reform does it matt it, it it doesn't necessarily touch on a lot of the sentencing reform and in particular mandatory minimums yeah. and, and i would love to I see that we're coming to the top of the hour yeah. i'd love to yeah. spend another okay. uh, moment later talking about that but but it is a it is a first step washington moves slowly so uh, yeah thankfully yeah. all right well <laughs> but, matt but you know we want to thank you very much for yeah. being on the show and, and sharing everything about your organization and about this program. 
and uh, I've got a couple I need to look up and maybe see if I can't connect with. So I, it seems Thank like a divine you. appointment, maybe for 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 this for this hour that that we were sitting in here talking. Thanks, so, Matt. Thank you very well, much. You guys, and, and you tell Dave just to stay on the beach, and uh, and y'all just take the rain next week too. <laughs> we'll let him tell. We'll let you tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he's not listening. Uh, all right. Oh, he's Great not. Great to be with you guys. Great right. to be with you guys. Thanks a lot, Matt. So. Uh, this is Steve Hess. I've been sitting in for the last couple hours on the Dave Ellswick Show. Um, we are fixing to have a shift at the top of the hour. I think we have Elizabeth, Shelley, and Hannah coming up. Hannah. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be a little bit more spirited, maybe. <laughs> you know, I think that because we've had some, we had some pre-scheduled events, uh, I think they've been kind of cocked and loaded and ready to go for uh, a couple other topics. So I, I suspect I'm, I will be listening as I have to head off to work. Head so, out, yeah. All Thank right, you, so Steve. Thanks for the opportunity. It was a Thank privilege you. meeting you. We and, had a blast. And with you Let's do it again. Yes, right. for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Definitely. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.